Welcome back to the Inside Story with RLLC. Today, we will be talking to Jillian Gladstone Turan about orofacial myofunctional therapy. Hi, Jillian. How are you? Hi, I'm great, Tristan. How are you? I'm doing amazing. We're really excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be on here. This is great. Yes. So I just want to start off with having you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. My name is Jillian Gladstone Turan. I am a speech language pathologist and a certified oral facial myologist. I'm the owner of Gladstone Speech, which is a private practice in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. I specialize in oral motor difficulties, uh, specifically oral facial myofunctional disorders. And at our practice, we work with clients across the lifespan from babies to grown adults. Amazing. So where are you guys located? So our office is based in Rockville, Maryland. Uh, We have previously and are resuming to seeing clients in person at the office. We also go to clients' homes, uh, schools, and we have worked with mutual patients at dentists and orthodontist offices as well. We do also provide teletherapy. We had been doing so even before the pandemic and continue to provide that option to our clients currently. And we serve clients across the states of Maryland, Virginia, and also Washington, D.C. That's awesome. And so if people were going to go find you guys online so they could maybe come see you in office or do teletherapy, where would that, where would they go? So our website is www.gladstonespeech.com. You can also find us at Gladstone Speech on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Awesome. I'll have that linked in the show notes so people can find you. Cool. Great. Perfect. Well, if you're ready to jump right into it, I'm just going to start asking you some questions. Sure. (laughs) Amazing. So first and foremost, we can get a really good basis what is orofacial myofunctional therapy? Sure. So orofacial myofunctional therapy is treating any abnormal patterns or habits that are occurring in the mouth, in the face, and particularly the different structures or muscle groups in the mouth and the face. Uh, This can be the tongue most of the time. It can be the lips. It can also be the cheek muscles and the jaw moving inappropriately as well. Could also impact the nose if there's some difficulties with nasal breathing. So when we look at oral facial myofunctional disorders, um, what we're looking at are how the muscle groups of the head and face and mouth in particular how everything is working together at rest, when breathing, when chewing, when chewing, drinking, and swallowing, and also how these muscles move for speaking. Okay. Very cool. So you said orofacial myofunctional disorders. So that's what OMD stands for, right? Correct. So OMDs is a short abbreviated term for oral facial myofunctional disorders. And those are as um, uh, there's an organization called the International Association of Oral Facial Myology or the IOM. That is who I'm a member of, um, one of many organizations, but they define oral facial myofunctional disorders as a typical adaptive patterns that can occur in absence of 
normal patterns or habits or movements that are supposed to happen in the head, face, and mouth in particular. So when we see these abnormal habits, abnormal movements, abnormal coordination, that is where someone like myself comes in and helps to create goals and success in oral facial myofunctional treatment to treat these OMDs. Okay. So what are some examples if um, listeners maybe don't know what OMDs look like or sound like or things like that? Absolutely. So like I said, it indicates abnormal function of the structures and muscles in the face and particularly in the mouth. And no matter what age, they can occur with any of the following symptoms. Um, we may, families may have heard of the term tongue thrusting if a dentist had, or orthodontist had brought that up to them. Um, tongue thrusting indicates a habit. It's a symptom rather than a cause. And what that is mostly tied to is the tongue is not resting appropriately in the mouth. So you may have a low forward resting tongue posture. Um, other symptoms of OMDs can include your breathing primarily through your mouth or have an open mouth posture. So the lips are not resting together. Um, you may have some poor function due to tongue ties or lip ties. I know we'll talk about that in a little bit. You can have difficulties with chewing with foods, with drinking liquids, and with, for swallowing for either of those types. Um, you could also have some articulation errors where you're not making speech sounds correctly. Um, there also can be, for some older clients, there could be some TMJ pain, which is pain in the jaw or the jaw joint or facial pain or discomfort. There can also be teeth clenching or grinding. Um, it can even be related to sleep difficulties, such as sleep apnea or even sleep disordered breathing or really uh, impacted breathing throughout the day. There are many different kinds, and each client can show any of these symptoms. Interesting. So how common are OMDs? So according to research... When you look at the entire population in the world, 38% of the entire population have one or a combination of OMDs. Oh, wow. And interestingly enough, specifically, when we look at those who have temporomandibular disorders or TMJ type pain, almost 98% of those patients, their TMJ and TMD concerns and symptoms are associated with OMDs. Wow. Also, research shows that 81% of children that present with articulation disorders, speech sound disorders, and speech sound errors have underlying OMDs. Wow, those statistics are shocking. Uh, knowing that now, can you tell us about some of the causes of OMDs? So the causes of OMDs, it can be from a variety of different things. We look at habits, and we look at structures and interference with airway. When we look at habits, we can see that tongue thrust, which is a common phrase and term and condition and observation that many dentists and orthodontists and even speech pathologists had learned about. But what I want to make clear here is tongue thrust, it's actually a symptom versus a cause. When we talk about tongue thrusting habits, 
It's when that tongue is pushing against or between the teeth inappropriately versus the tongue resting along the roof of the mouth, also known as the palate. Along with that, it can cause the mouth to become open and you see that tongue moving in inappropriate ways at rest or in swallowing or when speaking with certain speech sounds. Again, this is a symptom rather than a cause. So while this habit can occur, we look at why that can be caused. A big piece of that is noxious habits or different noxious habits. So this can even go back to things that happen past infancy, prolonged oral habits such as thumb or finger sucking, even pacifier use past the age of one. When we're babies, when we're young babies, we need to be able to use the pacifier or sucking for breastfeeding and for bottle feeding. Those are for nutritive purposes or to help prevent us from having SIDS so that we're able to sleep appropriately in the crib. But past the age of one, these become non-nutritive habits. And these noxious habits, such as thumb, finger sucking, learning to suck on different items and objects, even tongue sucking, these can all interrupt proper oral facial development past the age of one. Other noxious habits can occur even later, but can occur in children as can be observed in children as well. Clenching the teeth, grinding the teeth, bruxism, those are noxious habits as well that indicate oral facial dysfunction. Now, another big piece to look at as far as causes is looking at medical etiologies, but there can be structural abnormalities that can impact the airway and or function. Examples of that, enlarged tonsils, which is what we often look for in our assessments. I'll talk about that in a little bit. If we find that there's difficulty in a client being able to breathe in and out through the nose, we want to refer to an ear, nose, throat doctor, an ENT, to determine if there are enlarged adenoids, enlarged nasal turbinates, which is enlarged cartilage within the, the nose, or even if there's a deviated septum. If they have difficulty being able to breathe in and out through the nose, no wonder that they're breathing in and out through the mouth and that mouth posture is not closed, but rather open. We also look to see if there are restrictions. Tethered oral tissues, that's a big topic that we'll get into later. Examples include tongue ties, lip ties, or buckle ties. In any of those instances, when we look for those, we see that there is there are restrictions under the tongue, under the upper lip, or even in the cheeks that can impact and stop the full mobility of the tongue or the lips or the cheeks. We look for those that can cause difficulties with function. And it can also create difficulties with sleep in that the tongue may fall back into the airway when a child or an adult is lying down to go to sleep. We also may have certain medical conditions going along with that. Um, someone diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea, um, having craniofacial uh, abnormalities such as cleft lip and cleft palate, or if having TMJ or temporomandibular disorders such as facial pain and inappropriate clicking and popping and clenching and grinding of the jaw and the teeth. Uh, those are all indicating that there is airway interference and oral dysfunction happening.
Wow. Okay. So how do you normally assess OMDs? So that's a very good question. It's always very important if there are concerns about OMDs, if a dentist or orthodontist is finding, and and when I talk about why a dentist or orthodontist, um, oftentimes they look to see if when a child, for example, is supposed to get braces or is going to need braces or a palatal expander, as an example, they're finding that they want them to succeed with those braces and have the teeth line up well, where there can be some underlying difficulties in function of the tongue, of the lips, of the jaw, what have you, that could need to be addressed first, possibly seeing about OMDs. And that's where someone like me comes in. So a qualified professional, such as a speech language pathologist, uh, must complete a functional assessment. So we may at times get refer, you know, get a referral from a dentist or orthodontist or a client or family finds us. And when we do our comprehensive assessments, big emphasis on comprehensive, we want to first look at any developmental history, medical history, dental history to see if there have been some difficulties from at a much younger time, any time before we see the client themselves. We also take a look at the client as a whole as they're in front of us. We look at head, neck, and body postures if we're noticing anything that may be abnormal, like a forward head and neck posture. We also look at the rest posture of the face. Is the tongue resting inside the mouth? Are the lips open or are they closed as they're supposed to be? How are the teeth aligned? Do we see that there are some malocclusion types such as overbites, underbites, even open bites? Are the teeth uh, very much crowded or very much spaced? We also look at how the client is breathing. Are they able to breathe in and out through their nose? Or do they tend to have a habit of breathing in and out through their mouth and their mouth rests open throughout the day? We do also look to see if anything structurally can impact function. That can be if, you know, while we don't necessarily see that in, in, in our field, we could tell if there may be a difficulty with breathing in and out through the nose where we need to refer to an ear, nose, and throat doctor or ENT. Um, there could be tongue or lip ties that are present that can be impacting function. But we also need to look at if how they are with eating, drinking, and swallowing. And we also look at how anyone is able to produce sounds and is intelligible in regular conversational speech. But if we have to look at that a little bit more, OMDs can also cause specific difficulty with how tongue placement can happen and how the tongue's able to move with certain speech sounds. So we take a look at speech sounds at articulation and speech intelligibility as well. We also look to see if there are certain types of habits that may be occurring that are noxious, meaning inappropriate habits. Um, one that can be an impact could be thumb sucking, for example. That can impact how all of the muscles rest in the mouth. So there's a variety there to look at. And what we do is when we do our assessments, it's, it helps us to get our best impressions 
of what is happening with the client, where they're having difficulties. And that helps us to make our recommendations if oral facial myofunctional treatment is recommended. And if they need another professional for us to refer to, to be part of the treatment plan along with what we do, or if they need to go there first, it is our job to give that referral as necessary. Okay. So let's say parents like didn't take their child to the dentist and the dentist saw an issue, right? And then therefore referred. What would you recommend if like a parent at home saw some kind of issue? Maybe they noticed like open mouth breathing and kind of like stuff that they saw as red flags. Would you recommend that they come see you first or what would you recommend they do? That's a really good question, Tristan. It's not always um, a logical answer. What I mean by that is, is your first step may be different than somebody else's first step. Not everyone may get that first step from their dentist or orthodontist to refer to someone like me for a functional assessment. But in any case, the most important piece uh, is wherever you are in working with other professionals or you're just learning to get this started or you're concerned about these red flags that you mentioned, getting a functional assessment is the most important piece of the puzzle here. And getting a functional assessment, you want to have that be by someone who can evaluate and treat OMDs. That those would be speech language pathologists and those who have a solid background with oral motor dysfunction and oral myofunctional disorders, OMDs. There are also dental hygienists who have myofunctional training and education too. And the best piece about this to remember is we focus on function. So when we're doing a functional assessment, we are looking to see how a client is experiencing these symptoms and why they're experiencing these symptoms. And while we may not be able to best determine why, what is helpful for us is we observe what the functional limitations are of that mouth and of that face. And if it's impacting other parts of the body too, that's when we highly emphasize in the work that we do that this is a team effort. An interdisciplinary approach is the key to success for any client of any age when there are difficulties with oral facial structures and or function. So to make it clear, for myofunctional treatment, that is really aimed at children ages five at the youngest all the way up through adulthood. That has a lot of specific approaches and strategies and exercises that are worked on. And for those that are younger than five, you can't do a straightforward, quote unquote, myofunctional program. However, if you have a child that's younger than the age of five and you are concerned about these red flags, there is early prevention and intervention that can be provided by speech language pathologists with oral motor training, such as myself, can also be if it's an infant working with lactation consultants, occupational therapists, and even having dentists that can implement um, routine dental screenings, right? This, like I said, myofunctional treatment would not be applied for this age range, but oral motor treatment, feeding therapy, and even uh, sensory motor approaches such as oral placement therapy can be what's a good fit for that child. Now, 
above the age of five can, you know, the child or a adolescent or adult can work on oral myofunctional treatment and get that assessment by the oral facial myologist or the speech language pathologist trained in oral facial myology or oral motor and have an interdisciplinary approach with a medical and dental team should they need be. So we may have to recommend assessments, specific assessments to ENTs if there's concerns about the nasal passages and maybe the throat um, or allergists if there are concerns about nasal congestion and there may be allergies present, or if there are restrictions, uh, getting assessed by an oral surgeon or a dentist or whomever does releases for tongue and lip ties, or if there are difficulties with sleep and concerns about sleep apnea, going to a sleep specialist or an ENT for a sleep study, that would be the, the next best step. But, um, but a functional assessment is paramount. That helps anybody as part of the team and the client and the family best know what the functional strengths and difficulties are of the muscles and the structures in the mouth. Wow. I think that's great to know. So people know what to do, um, as their first step. And since we're on the topic of assessment and treatment, what would happen if OMDs went untreated? It's a very good question. Um, it's first important to know what's considered quote unquote normal as far as development and function. And a lot of people don't really know that we're not explicitly taught that we just go our day to day. When I ask these questions all the time during my evaluations, when I ask about where's your tongue resting in your mouth or how do you find you sleep? A lot of people have no idea. They don't stop and really think about that unless something major happens that seems a little out of the norm, right? Right. So a person's normal rest posture, meaning when they're not eating, they're not drinking, they're not talking, the rest postures should be breathing in and out through the nose, lips resting together, the tongue resting along the roof of the mouth, also called the palate. The tongue tip should actually be along the bumps. Those bumps are behind the top front teeth. That's called the alveolar ridge. If we don't have a nice balance of these muscle groups resting where they need to, they all have to work together in that regard. If that doesn't happen, there could be odd habits or noxious habits that occur. That can be the tongue thrusting against or between the teeth. That can cause the teeth to shift and create spacing, crowding. It can create malocclusions, which are the overbites and underbites. And or open bites as examples, it can actually also cause these habits can also cause the shape of the palate or the roof of the mouth to go from being this broad shape to a more narrow and vaulted shape. Um, Many other symptoms can also occur that over time, they can impact the development of the face and the jaw. They can impact uh, actual like good functional sleep but they can also impact your beautiful smile, but it can also impact your breathing from day to day as well. How interesting the, the palate. Um, I didn't realize that it could literally change the shape of your palate. That is so crazy to me. Absolutely. It's amazing how, um, one of the, one of the 
pioneers in this field of myofunctional treatment, who's also a speech language pathologist, her name's Linda D'Onofrio. She always says the phrasing muscle trumps bone and airway trumps everything. The muscles that occur in the tongue can create such pressure. And if that's happening a lot at rest against the teeth, absolutely they can cause the teeth to shift. Uh, A big phone call that I tend to get are from clients or from dentists and orthodontists where their patients have gone through braces or gone through Invisalign and they go through the treatment, have a nice aligned smile. And the second the braces or the Invisalign is out, those teeth moved again. Why did that happen? Well, the underlying areas of function, looking at function, were never assessed. And because there may be some functional difficulties, oral facial myofunctional disorders happening. That's what caused the teeth to move again. The muscles from the tongue probably caused those teeth to shift rather quickly. That's so crazy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. Would you recommend that you wear your retainer every night then? Uh, I do. And I'm sure the dentist and orthodontist around would appreciate that as well. Um, I, I know personally, I was one who accidentally uh, threw it away in the trash, but <laughs> yep. I had Invisalign later in life and I was very diligent about it. Yeah. Wearing them for sure. Yes, exactly. Sometimes I forget to wear mine at night. And then I notice in the morning that I have one tooth that will shift. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how yeah. in that short period of time you can notice a difference? I, I mean, I personally can recall times where I may not have worn my Invisalign as well as I as long as I should have. And I can notice it fits a little more snug than the night before. Absolutely. (laughs) But it's amazing how even throughout time with the way that our muscles work together and the structures, I'd like to think of them like a well-run car. How do we have a car run? We need the steering wheel to work. You need the tires to work. You need the gas to work. You need the engine to work. They all serve a specific purpose. That's also with the structures and the muscles in our mouth, the tongue, the lips, the the teeth, you know, our structures and part of that as well. Same with the jaw and the cheek muscles and other muscles of the face that are connected, including up into the nose. If one of those areas is not working the way it's supposed to, or it may be compensating for another one, that well-run car, quote unquote, that is your mouth, it's not going to have the function that it ideally should. And these inappropriate habits or these OMDs can occur. Wow. I like the analogy of the car. I think it it's super helpful to imagine. Sure. Wow. Well, we, ta- we touched on, touched on um, the wear your retainer to bed. And I think you also mentioned some, some sleep concerns with OMDs. So this is kind of like a short, but short and very specific question, but should children snore? No, no one is meant to snore, especially children. And what we have started seeing in the last number of years is that children have been getting, more children have been getting diagnosed with sleep apnea or even sleep disordered breathing or a condition called UARS or upper airway resistance syndrome, which indicates abnormal or effortful breathing that occurs. Well, 
they look at it at night, but it's very likely that that doesn't just occur at night. That probably happens during the day as well. Wow. Okay. So snoring is such an interesting topic to me because like your answer to that was so quick. It was just, no, like children should not snore. (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely Um, not. So what is the impact of snoring? What does it do? Sure. So when I talk about snoring and anybody that's listening at home, it's not just necessarily a, a big snore. It can be you or your child audibly breathing through their mouth in their sleep. Um, effortfully breathing in their sleep. This could also happen during the day too, but sleep studies, if that, if that is done, can, can look at these things in particular, look at the different sleep levels and breathing levels uh, through their testing. These all point to difficulties though with the airway, which is what I was talking about earlier. It could be that the mouth is open and the tongue is not resting on the roof of the mouth, the palate, like we talked about. So where is it going to go? It's going to go low and forward in the mouth. Those lips are probably not going to rest together. They're probably going to stay open. And sometimes in those cases, the tongue could fall back into the back of the mouth and going not necessarily fully into the airway, but it can impact the airway. And if that happens, we can end up with abnormal breathing patterns when we sleep. And we talk about sleep also because think about it, we are lying horizontally in bed. So if our tongue is not resting ideally where it's supposed to be, gravity is going to take it further back and can impact the airway. Why is this a concern? Well, this could lead to many different issues that we see at night and during the day. There could be reduced oxygenation of the brain. There could be a change in neural physiology and function, an impact in how you function throughout the day. I mean, I'm sure you can understand just as well as me. If I don't sleep well, I'm not going to be, you know, feeling my best the next day. And I may not be attending the best that I can to all the work I have to do, to my family, what have you. So when we think about, more so about children and how this really is a red, you know, these are sets of red flags. We have to see how it can impact during the day. They may not be able to fully attend and focus on their academics. Um, They may not be able to fully remember and recall any knowledge, anything that they have to do or anything they need to remember for their schooling or for outside of school as well may have difficulty with problem solving, even self-regulation. And there has been a good amount of research that's come out in recent years that has talked about how this could even impact not only language development, but also social development and emotional and behavioral health as well in these children. And there has been, as I've talked about with these studies, there has been more in looking at how oral facial myofunctional therapy uh, has contributed to reducing these difficulties and these um, these inappropriate numbers with sleep apnea and with disordered breathing. And along with orthodontia or certain appliance wear, if that's recommended by a dentist or orthodontist as well, that they can help reduce these symptoms and help have appropriate normal functioning. Wow. Snoring sounds like it just 
is the worst. It sounds like it's the worst. <laughs> and I'm, of course, like as adults, you you kind of understand, like the, you feel the impact of your snoring. Um, like you said, like you don't get a full night's rest and things like that. Um, but I'm sure as a child, it has to be very um, disorienting at times. Cause if you don't like, if you go into school and you're like, I'm not doing as well in school as like my parents think I should be doing or what have you. Um, you wouldn't link that to your snoring at night. So that's kind of crazy that it impacts so many things. Right. And, you know, as a child, children, that's very hard to understand and put together. And what's unique about the work that, that I do with the specialty in, in looking at OMDs is like I said, these are pieces of a puzzle. And while I may treat in the realm of the oral motor function and mobility and, and speech sounds and with eating, drinking, swallowing, I also have to look outside of the box and ask these questions because there may be more pieces to the puzzle. There may be more that's going on that's underlying that if anyone hasn't put it together yet, I can be that one to help put it together and to refer to other professionals that could be of great help and provide great interdisciplinary collaboration and teamwork so that we can help that client succeed and feel better and improve in their symptoms. Yeah. Wow. 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 So we touched on the snoring and the impacts of snoring. And I think there's just one more thing that I think is super important for us to touch on. And that is, um, those are tongue ties. So I know a lot of children are born with tongue ties. Oh boy. Yes. Yes. So I guess the question is when, or do you recommend that those be clipped or if ever? So let me just say, Tristan, this could be a whole other podcast in and of itself. Tongue, <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> the, the, the concept of tongue tie. I would say it's kind of a controversial issue lately, really because various medical professionals and now parents, it's Googleable. You talk about it with other families too. They're learning about what a tongue tie is. But speech pathologists have seen tongue ties in clients for many years. This says this is not new to any of us. But to understand what I'm talking about first, I want to briefly define what a tongue tie is. So it's the formation of the frenum. The frenum is that tissue that's under your tongue that attaches your tongue to the, the floor of the mouth, the bottom of your mouth. Uh, everyone has one. If you don't, it's a very rare case. If you do not, that would be a rare condition. And the tongue tie part is when the frenum is restricting. That's a big word to think about restricting the range of motion of the tongue, which could cause functional deficits. Now this can also happen in uh, the frenum or the tissue in the upper lip under the upper lip, which is called a lip tie. Now, having a tongue or lip tie can, emphasis on the word can, can contribute to different OMDs, different oral facial myofunctional disorders. For example, in infancy, it can impact the baby's latch onto a breast or bottle, and that can impact the baby's ability to gain nutrients and gain weight appropriately and grow. 
Um, it can also impact a child's ability to chew and swallow different foods. If my lips are not able to come together and my tongue cannot move the way it's supposed to because something structurally is restricting the movement, I'm going to have a hard time moving that food to the back of my throat to swallow. I'm going to have a hard time keeping drinks in my, in my mouth. They may spill out. I may be very messy eater. I may not be able, I may cough or choke. I may Mm. not be able to, you know, be able to chew the food appropriately. A lot could happen there. Um, many of the examples of OMDs that we previously discussed, they can be due to a tongue or lip tie. And again, it's because it's restricting, it can restrict the functional mobility of the tongue or the lip. Now, how is this best determined? It has to be determined in a functional comprehensive evaluation with a professional that more or less can be a speech language pathologist with oral motor experience. Um, there are others that can assess this. It does depend on the client. For example, we talked about infants, uh, lactation consultant can help babies with a functional assessment as well, or would work with someone like myself to in referring or working together because they see these red flags and concerns. Now, if it is determined that there are functional limitations, then it's our job to refer to a professional that would consult with the client or the family to consider a tongue tie or lip tie release. Now, when I, that's what I am responding to related to your, your phrasing of clipping, right? It's really release. Um, more often than not, the releases now are done through laser. It does depend on Mm. the provider and how they do their method, but I do want to bring this, this idea home more than anything about this topic. One should never just go and get a release walking into a provider and a provider could be an oral surgeon, a dentist, um, an ENT. It depends on their specialty. Okay. So you have to do your homework there, but one should never just get a release. If you do that tongue tie or lip tie that you released, it will very easily and very quickly grow back. Wow. Because what you have to do in order to best succeed with this, if this is an issue and it's impacting your function, you have to first work with a clinician like myself to assess the function of the tongue and or the lip. And then you improve the function of the tongue with therapy, with myofunctional therapy before and after the release. Why is that the case? It decreases any chance of reattachment it can improve the healing process from the release and it gives the client much more success with improving their function. You have to get those muscles conditioned and learning what to do appropriately. And if you were to just do the release by itself, you haven't conditioned those muscles. Right. Now, so if that is necessary, great teamwork and collaboration with the provider who does the release with someone like me is incredibly important. Now, another thing to take home here, if there is an assessment and there are no concerns or functional limitations, it may not be necessary to fix something that's not broken. Right. So that's, those are two big important topics that, uh, with this topic points with this topic that I want to bring back to this today. So 
while this could be a whole other conversation and a very, very long, detailed conversation, maybe you could have me on another time. We would love that. (laughs) This is the best way that I think I would summarize it to say, if anything, if this is a concern, if this was a concern from a dentist or orthodontist, or if you think that you or your family member may have difficulties from possibly a tongue or lip tie, please go see a, a speech language pathologist myofunctional therapist, meaning a speech language pathologist with oral motor training and have an assessment completed. That way we can best see if there are any difficulties present and if treatment and if the possible need for release or referral for release is necessary. Okay. So it's a much bigger topic. (laughs) You can't just- Absolutely. Very much so. Very much so. But I hope I brought the the biggest, you know, bullet points home for everybody in case they were concerned at home. Yeah, I definitely think you did. I thank you for touching on that because it's something that I think comes up a lot, especially with infants. Um, But I think it was good to touch on so that parents kind of got a little bit more information um, and were kind of pointed in the right direction a little bit more. I agree, Tristan. I mean, it is, a, I would say, a hot topic. It's it's one that's being discussed, I think, more often than not. People are becoming more aware of these concerns and these conditions and what could be beneficial but could also backfire is going into the world of Googling. Right. And unfortunately, not all of the correct information is necessarily out there. So of course, being on here, I want to do my due diligence to share what would be the best first steps to take and finding the right professional uh, such as myself would be, you know, really helpful to start the process going and getting you or your family member in the right direction of reducing these symptoms and hopefully no longer having these concerns. Well, we really appreciate you sharing that. I think it's super important. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. Good. Yeah. Well, those are all the questions I have for you, but if you have anything else that you want to share that I didn't touch on, I'd love to hear it. So one last thing I just want to reiterate is it's very important if you're looking at yourself right now or a family member and thinking a lot of what we talked about today are concerns to you all. It's best to look, you know, search for someone like me or me and um, but someone in your area that has this this training and can conduct a functional assessment for you or your family member. That way you can best determine what course of action and and plan of care would be best. Um, And myofunctional treatment is a huge piece of the puzzle for anybody over the age of five. It uh, has been shown in research that myofunctional treatment is 80 to 90% effective in improving the oral rest postures. So the rest postures of the tongue and the lips for swallowing, eating, drinking, swallowing, and for other oral functions that do also include articulation of speech sounds. So we can be the next best step for you all. And if you have any questions, um, you can find someone locally in your area by Googling myofunctional therapy near me, or you can look us up at gladstonespeech.com.
Awesome. Well, I will definitely make sure to put all of the info for where to find you online so that people can come chat with you when they need to. That sounds great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting with us today. This was again, very helpful, um, very informative and super comprehensive. So I think parents and other SLPs will be really happy to have learned from this episode today. That sounds great. Thank you for having me, Tristan. It was wonderful. Of course. Hopefully we'll have you on again. And Please, you can talk I would love that. <laughs> sure, for sure. I would love to. Awesome. Well, thank you to the audience for listening. Make sure to subscribe so you can hear our new episodes and leave us a little rating and a review. And we'll be happy to chat with you guys next time. Have a great rest of your day.